This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Morning, church. Good to see you all this morning. The reading today is from Luke 3. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight, and every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all the flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, does not bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations, and be content with your wages. And as the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing fork in his hands to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andrew. All right, let's get into the Word of God this morning. You know, we've, been, we've been looking at um, the topic of work, and last week we looked at the fact that there will always be trouble at work, but God can use that trouble to shape us, to form us into the image of, of His Son as we ask Him for wisdom. Many Christians try to separate their working lives from their, from their Sunday lives, or maybe just their at-home lives, thinking that it doesn't really matter. You know, I'm not, I'm not a pastor, I'm not in full-time ministry, and so my, my, my work is not really spiritual. Well, all work is spiritual, all work is important to God. 
we, we must remember that there, there are no lines like that drawn in the Bible. Jesus calls us to, to a whole life discipleship. Consider Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. That obviously must include the work that you do, whether it's paid or not. And it's all to be done in the name of Jesus. Now that, that means his name, his name is to override our name. Like everything we do must be brought under his kingship and done for his honor. If, if that's the case, then, then there needs to be some changes at work. So let's examine verses 7 through 17 of of the text that was read this morning, keeping in mind the topic of work, and and we'll we'll form our three points into three questions. What is real change? How should I change? And how can I change? Okay? First, a little background. Let's, let's, let's start with John the Baptist. He appears on the scene, and, and the stage was set for the people to listen. That, that's because a word from the Lord had been absent for hundreds of years. There was no prophet. And so, so John was the one foretold by Isaiah, as quoted in in our passage that was read, verses 4 through 6. He was the one to prepare the way for Jesus by making people aware of their sinfulness. And that's why he comes with a baptism of repentance. With with that quick background, let's, let's look at our first point. What is real change, right? Verses 7 through 9. Real change is what the Bible refers to as repentance. Look at verse 8. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. So so repentance, or or real change, is bearing fruits. That's the language used. Real change is producing something different than before. The the second part of verse 8 is is a warning. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as as our father. Our tendency against real change is to rely on a status we already have, thinking that I'm good. Now, this this is tricky because we have a status if we're in Christ as children of God. We, We are safe and secure in the Father's hand. We cannot be plucked out. 
But that does not change the fact that God is, is shaping us and cares about what we do. Think of, think of it like a, a baseball team signing an up-and-coming star player. Right? The, the contract is signed, and so he's securely on the scene. But, but the team obviously expects him to be at regular practices. Right? Even though the contract is signed, he's got to be at regular practices so that he can learn to play with the team and develop his skills further. I, I think that's a good illustration of what God has in mind for his children. They are joyfully his. Right? Just, just like when all the fans rejoice to see that star player being signed. Right? We are joyfully his, but, but he doesn't want us to remain the same. A true understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ pushes us in that direction to not remain the same. And, th and that's because we are loved by God with a, a sacrificial, uh, unflinching, never fading, never failing, never ending, completely unconditional love. That kind of amazing love drives us in the direction of change. That's why the mark of salvation in someone's life is a changed life. All the areas of our life as gospel-believing Christians should be open for change. That includes our work. Let's move on to our next question. This one's going to take a little longer. How should I change? So if, if the mark of salvation is, is a changed life, what does that look like? More specifically, what, what should that look like in our daily work? Well, we don't, we don't have to look too far than our text here. When, when John said, bear fruit in keeping with, with repentance... In verse 10, the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? Oh, this is, this is great. I love it when the Bible answers our questions for us. Now, this is, this, this, this is John's first answer. Well, he gives two answers, really. He gives a general answer, and then he gives specific answers because of follow-up. Okay? And... Let's, let's start with the general, general change that he talks about, okay? It starts in verse 11. And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Okay. You might be wondering, what is a tunic? All right, a tunic was, was the basic piece of clothing worn by men and women alike. It, it, was, a, it was a long sleeved or, or, or half sleeved uh, shirt like garment that reached all the way down to the ankles. Over the tunic was worn the, the cloak. Most people only had one cloak, but it was not unusual to have more than one tunic. 
if you didn't have a tunic, that meant you were on the, the poorer side of the economic scale. Now John talks about sharing your extra tunic if someone doesn't have one and sharing food with those who don't have any. Right? We, we can boil all this down to a simple statement. Those who have should be moved toward those who do not have. And what does that look like at work? Right? Well, I think it, it means us keeping our eyes open toward those who are around us. So if you're really good at doing a certain task at your work, then a way you can share is to offer your assistance to someone who perhaps struggles in that same area. Or maybe it just takes much longer to do it. Basically, we're to show love. John leads us toward looking at the others around us, right, keeping our eyes open, in order to spark compassion, which in turn leads to action or love. A, a good prayer to pray for this is, is, Father, help me to really see the people around me. Because loving someone always begins with seeing that person first. You can't love them unless you truly see them. In your work, whatever it is, do you only have your nose to the grindstone? Or do you also have your eyes toward the people around you? Is your task more important than your team. This makes me think of, of the verse in John's Gospel, John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Right? Jesus is talking to his team here. They, they are close. They, they got on each other's nerves because they said stupid things. Jesus tells them that their greatest testimony would be their love for one another in this close-knit group. Jesus tells them they are to love each other like he loved them. Practically, in this chapter, in, in John 13, practically, he's, he's, Jesus saw their dirty feet and no one to wash them. So he acted to meet their current need. He dropped himself down to the status of a servant and gave a beautiful picture of what it looks like to truly see someone and love someone. You know, hard work is a good, it's good, it's just plain good, and it's a good testimony, but more important is, is the love that you have for the others that you work with. Love will, will give, give new joy and purpose to your work, whatever it is. Now that's, let's look at specific change. Okay, so there were certain people that asked John, what shall we do? 
Okay, why, why were they not satisfied with the answer that he gave the crowd? Well, they had jobs that were looked upon negatively by the Jewish majority here. Let's look at the first occupation, verses 12 to 13 in Luke 3. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. So tax collectors were independent contractors. They collected taxes and tolls on behalf of the Roman government. It was advantageous to, to contract locals uh, to do the job because they knew the area and the people well. They would demand a higher tax in order to pay themselves, but this system led to greed and corruption and obviously unpopularity with their local countrymen. John basically tells these tax collectors to not collect more than they were authorized. He tells them not to abuse the system, which, which would mean self-lowering their salaries. Now that sounds easy. That was probably tough to hear, right? The only benefit of being a tax collector was that you could be on the wealthier side of the spectrum. Because in, in, in Jewish territory, you certainly, if you were a tax collector, you certainly were not on the popular side. Now the second profession, verse 14. Soldiers also asked him, and, what, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. So soldiers were not paid really well, just given enough for their basic needs. Uh, but because of their status of authority, it was tempting to use intimidation or false accusations to extort people into paying protection money or bribe money. John tells them to be honest and to use their authority responsibly. This would go against the motto of the other soldiers, so this would be a hard thing to do as well. It's so much easier just to go with the flow, isn't it? Now, did you notice the commonality in what John told both of these professions? In both occupations, he does not tell them to just quit. John does not recommend unemployment. He does not tell them to resign, but to reform. Often we think that, that turning to God involves going into full-time ministry, becoming a pastor, be, leaving and being a missionary, working for a ministry. It might, but not necessarily, or usually. God calls us to bring him into 
our current work. Don't change your job. Change how you do your job and the attitude behind it. So in these two specific cases, John tells them to bring honesty into their professions that are not known for honesty. In, in many cases, we, we, let, we let our work define us instead of letting our faith define our work. It, it doesn't have to be that way, church. So, so let's try to answer our question. How, how should we change? Well, it, you have to answer that personally, but if you work with children... Maybe you use anger to facilitate a response from them. Well, anger in that form is not something that should be in our toolbox as a believer. What, what's another way you could develop in order to get a response from the children that you're overseeing? Maybe there is a lot of unhelpful office banter that you find hard not to get sucked into. What's another way you could engage your coworkers to divert that, that banter? Many of us find it hard to, to own up to, to our bad attitudes, mistakes, or failures in our work. Owning those things is, is honest and helpful. And, and helps us to remember our neediness and, and why we need Jesus in the workplace. See, this is not just about being nice at work. I, th I think that's what everybody expects. Just, what are Christians supposed to be like at work? Nice. Th think about real change. Right? Real change that starts from the heart. Because, because our real king, Jesus, demands it. Let's consider our last question. How can I change? Right? It's, it's all well and good that, that I should change, but, but how can I do it? How can I do it? it, it it's hard not to get angry at these children. It's, it's hard to resist the cultural flow, or just the way things are in the workplace. We, we have countless bad attitudes and make many mistakes that, that we don't want people to know about, that we'd rather just sweep under the carpet. Right? It's, it's hard to change. How can we change? The people were wondering if, if John the Baptist was Christ, the Messiah. This is how he replied in verse 16. John answered them saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The straps of whose sandals I am not unworthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So, so John was saying his water baptism was a symbolic gesture of, of cleansing from their sinful ways. 
Jesus' baptism would be the Holy Spirit. Everyone who comes to King Jesus to be saved from the consequences of their sins receives the Holy Spirit into their life. He, he is the seal of our salvation and the power behind real change. John says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Look, look where the Apostle Paul tells us it comes from, these fruits. Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Notice what Paul says. Not the fruit of repentance, but the fruit of the Spirit. The, the gospel-believing Christian has the Spirit in their life. He's the one who enables change. So if you're saying, I, I, I can't change, you're right. You can't. But the Spirit within you has the power to change you. You don't have to rely on your own strength. The Spirit enables those changes. So, so what do we do? The Apostle Paul says in that same chapter in Galatians, chapter 5, to walk by the Spirit. That, that word walk is a common expression for how one conducts their life or how one behaves. Right? We, we need to live in the reality of the indwelling Holy Spirit in our life as our power source for real change. The, the beautiful thing is that the Spirit actually assists us in living in that reality. If we back up a chapter in Galatians before, to chapter 4, we see how. In verse 6, it says, And because you were sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The Spirit is actually praying within us, Abba, Father. That word Abba is that Aramaic word for father. It's, it's an intimate term, like, like dad. He, he is praying the longing that my heart needs to, to, to be like a child calling out to daddy because he can't do it. That's what he's praying continually. And, and the Spirit can bring love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control into your life and into the, into the work that you do whatever it is. Ask God what it would look like to have love or patience or gentleness in your work or your workplace. Then call out to God to empower you by the Spirit to produce that change. The Spirit's already praying within you for it. And, and when you do that, you will see Jesus more clearly. And so will everyone else.
Let's pray together. Father, this is a this is a tough topic because change is is difficult. Even at the best of times. But Father, thank you that you are a God who is not content to leave us in the same way that you took us. Thank you that we have that empowering Holy Spirit. And so would you, would you help us to be mindful of that through the, the, the daily grind of our life? Whether we're working in, in the office or, or at home or, or out on, on a construction site, Whatever we're doing, help us to be mindful of that reality so that we can be open to the change that you want to make within our work, which we know will bring us joy and a greater satisfaction in the work that we do because we'll be reminded that it's all for you. Everything is for your glory. Help us, we pray, in the power of the Spirit, and in Jesus' name we ask, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.